Welcome to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, sponsored by EarthX, the world's largest environmental experience, and also sponsored by Natural Awakenings Magazine. Live your healthiest life on a healthier planet. Now here's your host, Bernice Butler. Welcome to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio today. We're now in our second season, and we're more excited than ever to continue to help you explore and understand that unbreakable relationship between your health and the health of the planet. We look at the hottest topics related to our environment and its sustainability and how they affect your health and wellness. Here, issues like climate change, plastic pollution, extreme weather events, and others will meet up with everyday impacts like allergies and asthma, digestive issues and gut health, cancers, lung and heart issues, and more. So listen in today as we interview experts for today's show on Earth Day 2021, Restoring Our Climate and Restoring Our Health. The 22nd of April is indeed Earth Day. However, many of us have begun to look forward to and celebrate the whole month of April for Earth Day. And I dare say that's not nearly enough. And one of our guests is what I like to call the keeper of Earth Day. And she's going to tell us much more shortly about its origins. But this year, one year after the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, all signs say that it's different this year, perhaps more poignant. Or at least that's how it feels and smells and seems to me. It feels like popular support for environmental protection, public exhortations about the state of our planet, personal demonstrations of greenness, and allegiance to sustainability are all more meaningful and more widespread this year. Much of this enhanced awareness appears to be, I think, involuntary. Born from the slowdown in our lives that have been thrust upon us by the coronavirus, we've been forced really to spend less time driving and more time outdoors as we navigate pandemic life in a way that doesn't involve public buildings and the presence of other people. As well, many of us have sought to defend ourselves from the ravages of COVID by strengthening our immune system. And these new behaviors have taken us back to nature just the way it was meant to be, giving us a newfound, or should I say a long-lost, appreciation for the essential role the planet has in our lives, in our livelihoods, and on our health and well-being, which, of course, is what we are all about here at Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, and that's what we talk about every week. So let's dig in more to Earth Day, what it means to us, and hopefully by the end of our show today, you too will have a deeper appreciation and understanding about why you should care about it. And here today to start us off to help us out with this is Kathleen Rogers. Kathleen is president of the Earth Day Network, which is now EarthDay.org. Kathleen has worked for more than 20 years as an environmental attorney and advocate, focusing on international and domestic environmental public policy and law. Under her leadership, Earth Day Network has developed a significant role in advancing the new green economy, and they've emerged as a dynamic year-round policy and activist organization. 
Earth Day Network, or again, EarthDay.org, now reaches into over 192 countries and embrace new constituencies and integrate civic participation into each of their programs and activities. Kathleen is a board member of Greenpeace, as well as a board member of the Energy and Resources Institute. EarthDay.org's mission is to diversify, educate, and activate the environmental movement worldwide. Growing out of the first Earth Day in 1970, EarthDay.org is the world's largest recruiter to the environmental movement, working with more than 75,000 partners in, again, over 192 countries to drive positive action for our planet. And in 1970, in fact, over 20 million Americans mobilized to call for greater protection and action on our planet. And I'm anxious to see how many mobilized the last Earth Day. So welcome, Kathleen. We are so glad you could join us today. Thank you for having me. Kathleen, can you start us off by telling us what was the impetus for creation of the Earth Day Network or EarthDay.org as it is known now? Well, our organization grew out of the first Earth Day, which was in 1970, which itself was based on observations by um, Senator Gaylord Nelson and some young activists, particularly Dennis Hayes, who ended up sort of creating Earth Day and uh, building this broad movement. And there were about 20 million people out on the streets for that first Earth Day, and it remains the largest civic event in human history. It's quite was quite an extraordinary achievement. And our organization was born out of that movement um, and continued both to be the sort of the guiding force behind growing Earth Day and defining its themes and approaches to building civic engagement skills. And we also became a year-round organization in spite of ourselves because we found ourselves with, at the end of every Earth Day, with hundreds of thousands of organizations, uh, uh, hundreds of millions of people who wanted to continue down that pathway to uh, environmentalism, civic engagement, or even volunteerism. So we are both working on bringing people into the movement, providing activities, uh, shepherding other organizations that want to get involved uh, with Earth Day, and then trying to figure out a way to engage them on a year-round basis. Separately, sort of in parallel, we also have four or five campaigns that uh, we try to take a leadership role in, uh, including climate literacy, uh, regenerative agriculture, which is a very hot topic now, um, and plastics and some other issues. We're also engaged in reforestation and what we call um, the Great Global Cleanup, which is an activity that sort of runs year-round, but is focused around the month of April that engages, again, you know, hundreds of millions of people in cleaning up their communities, following up with uh, ways that people can uh, eliminate um, that same thing from happening again to their communities. So we try and tie uh, volunteerism, civic engagement, all together in a package so we can keep some percentage of those people that are involved in Earth Day continually uh, monitoring their environment and playing a role in protecting it. Indeed, we here at Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, as do a lot of other organizations, like to say Earth Day is every day, and it really is. So thank you again for being what I call the keeper of Earth Day. How does the U.S. compare, perhaps, with some other countries in terms of the degree to which we celebrate or honor Earth Day? So I think, of course, it started in the U.S. and was there, uh, you know, sort of an ongoing activity. This is way before my time. Um, 
and it became sort of institutionalized. So we ended up, Earth Day ends up on every calendar in the United States, and it became integrated into K through 12 schools. And there was a lot of political activism on campus for the years, like the decades following Earth Day. So it remained very much a part of, of uh, you know, sort of that activity during the month of April. And I think, interestingly, it became so uh, ingrained, uh, if you will, at least among a handful of people that uh, I think for a period of time, Earth Day became not exactly moribund, but not the th first thing people thought of when they thought of the environment. But we do find, uh, we did find sort of in the late 80s where it began to go international and people started adopting it more and more, that it also had a big resurgence in the United States. And now we find, and I think your guests following us will probably talk about that, cities, uh, local governments, uh, corporations, everybody uh, making commitments and finding something important to say uh, around the anniversary of Earth Day. Indeed. On our show, we interview people from around the globe all the time. And in many instances, on many of the various environmental topics and issues that we discuss, I find a lot of the other countries or a lot of other regions or places around the globe are, are doing so much more than we. So that's why I was interested to see, you know, the degree of honoring or the lifting up of Earth Day in its elements among other countries. Yeah, I mean, it is a very political event in lots of countries. Now, depending on where you are and whether you're allowed to be sort of democratic in your expression yeah. of concern about the environment. And that's a real problem. It is a often an expression of uh, a resurgence in political will in many countries, particularly around issues that are um, relevant or burning hot topics. And, uh, you know, plastics, deforestation always seem to be part of the mix where we see the most protest part of Earth Day um, happening around the world. How on earth tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> did Earth Day get to be a political issue? It's about nature and our resources. How did that get to be political? It's not political. First Earth Day enjoyed amazing bipartisan support, and the environmental community went through an amazing honeymoon for the first 10 years after Earth Day, passing one law after the next. Then corporations starting to feel the, let's call it, burden of environmental regulation got organized, and the honeymoon was over. And since then, uh, the politics of environment is never around health and safety. I mean, that's science and fact, although, as we all know, that's being challenged these days, too. Uh, but rather, the cost, the so-called burden that environmental regulation had, although it's been disproved many, many times. If anything, environment uh, produces amazing uh, positive economic benefits for the most part. And, you know, we're about to see a giant green revolution. So the days of dragging your feet by corporations and governments who aren't interested in change are over and either catch up or lose out on the green economy. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back on the other side to continue this very interesting conversation with Kathleen Rogers, president of EarthDay.org. Thank you. We want to give a shout out now to our sponsors. That is EarthX, the world's largest environmental experience, promoting environmental awareness through expo, conferences, film festival, interactive experiences, and now EarthX streaming TV service. Our other sponsor is Natural Awakenings, Dallas-Fort Worth Magazine, the Green, Healthy, and Sustainable Living Authority for the DFW Metroplex and North Texas communities. Print issues of Natural Awakenings can be found in all Whole Foods markets, natural grocers, central markets, sunflower shops, and many, many other locations, as well as available for download free online at nadallas.com. Check them out 
at NADallas.com. Our other sponsor is North Haven Gardens, serving the Metroplex since 1951, the most respected horticultural establishment in North Texas, offering gardening, plant education, concierge services, DIY classes, gifts, and more. Check them out at NHG.com. And our other sponsor is Lynn Dental Care, practicing dentistry for over 38 years with a holistic approach, non-mercury, and looking at the whole body. Specializing in periodontics, Dr. Lynn is board certified by the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Check them out at lindentalcare.com. Thank you, sponsors. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. Today's show is on restoring our climate, restoring our health all about Earth Day 2021, and we are back with Kathleen Rogers, who is president of EarthDay.org, which I like to call the global keeper of Earth Day. Again, thank you for being with us, Kathleen. I wanted to ask you, Kathleen, how do you all go about determining your annual themes, and how did you arrive at this year's theme of restoring our Earth? And then tell us, too, what you hope to accomplish this year? How do you hope to change hearts, minds, and actions? Well, normally we poll our members and supporters and talk about upcoming issues that um, might be appear, you know, a year ahead of time that we're in the vanguard. And sometimes we really are. So the themes have been around climate change, plastics, biodiversity loss, and they're often timed to big international meetings that are coming up in the future because we want people engaged in the conversation. Uh, sometimes it's become because something's pending. So pre-Paris Agreement, we were very actively involved in educating people and um, making sure globally that they supported their climate leaders, not just at the federal level in each country, but also state and local governments, which for us are critical and key players in solving climate change and other environmental issues. So it's an iterative uh, process that uh, begins with a lot of consultation. However, in 2019, we were engaged in uh, lots of discussions and some research around how to solve climate change. And we uh, decided that the two major sort of areas of that uh, most people were thinking about were things called adaptation to climate change and mitigating climate change. And we felt at the time that there was a third leg of that stool and that we should look at natural systems. And from two different angles. First, um, we should look at restoration in terms of what uh, reforestation, regenerative ag, and other kinds of practices that you could use that were low tech, uh, but high return on carbon uh, decarbonization, restoration, that would also benefit communities. And then we also became engaged in lots of conversations with scientists and entrepreneurs and hedge funds and everybody talking about mostly existing technologies that if you put them to work in cities and states, um, and if you gave it enough sort of due diligence from an environmental perspective, these technologies could also be key components of restoring the planet. Because it felt super negative to be just talking about how do we adapt to climate change? How do we mitigate it, but don't solve it? And so it was a very positive process of arriving at this, what we call third leg of the stool. And we thought about all this before COVID and then COVID struck. And then the implications and the cause, causation, the links between what happened 
to cause this great global pandemic and the relationships with biodiversity and wildlife and encroaching um, on these systems and these species, assuming that's the cause, but most people think it is, give or take a few, um, that if you could uh, really restore equilibrium, I think we'd have made some progress. So on top of that, um, again, we felt uh, that the theme was particularly apt given how devastated both we were personally, psychologically, economically, um, and that restoration would be a theme that could easily um, be something that would restore our confidence in the process, the political systems, if we were working all together. And I've seen, I don't know who invented the Build Back Better, um, but uh, certainly lots of countries are embracing that term. So it all fits together in this concept that we can uh, regenerate the planet, we can restore the planet, we can build back better, and it all feels um, amazingly positive in what's been an incredibly negative year. It does. Very apropos, and thank you all for doing that, because it is very positive. Kathleen, how do you all go about measuring the impacts of your efforts or the impacts of honoring Earth Day? Well, I think it's, you know, a combination of things. We, we measure our impacts in terms of um, you know, legislative change or commitments by governments, uh, by number of people who participate in cleanups, number of trees that are planted, very practical, metric-driven um, kind of analysis of what we accomplish. Now, obviously, with a billion people uh, participating, we have to rely on big numbers from other groups and partners. And so when someone tells us that 100 people participate in a cleanup or that a half a million trees were planted during the month of April, um, you know, we absorb and um, those numbers um, in good faith. But I think overall, uh, what we're most tuned into are the number of people who participate and then the number of organizations that want to stick with us the day, the weeks, the years following Earth Day. And so as we've seen our network grow and the number of organizations that stick with us, the number of faith groups that join in. Uh, we kind of measure our success by ongoing relationships with all of these different demographics and parts of our society. And as I said before, you know, we're the giant big tent. Sometimes it's not always comfortable being in the middle when your tendency is to be um, more activist, but we are a very big tent. And so lots of times we have amazingly um, different groups um, all war working together or in parallel, not, maybe not always knowing about each other, but working in parallel on the same issues. So it's pretty rewarding that way, although every once in a while um, you want to head left um, when you're stuck in the center. So Kathleen, how are your numbers trending in terms of people participating every year and organizations coming into the fold? Yeah, I think it just keeps getting bigger. Uh, in fact, we just had a meeting earlier today of all of our social media groups around the world. And I think this might be what we'd call a bumper year for Earth Day, in part, I think, driven by uh, some amazing state and local actions that were taken during the last four years, which was sort of a desert from an environmental uh, perspective. Uh, but also, we had asked President Biden, and apparently he listened, uh, to do a global meeting, a global summit on climate change. And so he had already indicated an interest in doing that. So he chose Earth Day um, to do it. And so we are creating three parallel summits to that event, one on environmental justice, uh, one with teachers worldwide, and um, also with youth groups, in addition to working with business and cities around commitments 
uh, to become climate literate, something we're really excited about training and working with cities and states to um, educate their people so that they can take advantage of what we think is this massive development of a green economy, which can be owned by everybody locally as opposed to a handful of companies um, like it has happened in the tech industry. Green energy and all these green issues are very decentralized, allowing everybody to own a piece of the pie. They really are. And, you know, one of the things that we ask our guests, which are mostly scientists, researchers, and things like that, and one of the things they always say that surprised me when I first heard it, but then so many of them kept saying it, and the question we ask them is, what can ordinary people do in their everyday lives to help drive solutions? And they said, talk about it. And it seems like a small thing, but that's something that everybody can do is talk about environmental issues like they talk about the weather. Yes, certainly, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And so um, really doesn't matter what country we're in it's or what issue you're in. The people that are the most vocal, the most articulate, the most science-driven, that combine all those different elements together are the ones that are going to get their um, issues pushed forward. Uh, and whether you're talking about a mayor or a governor and those uh, of, a, of a U.S. state or, or local uh, jurisdictions around the world, they're forced to respond to uh, people, uh, local people, in a way that federal governments aren't necessarily um, required to do. So a lot of dialogue with city and states, uh, we have found, has moved the needle more than anything. A couple of questions I want to get before we leave. Why should everyday people in their everyday lives care about Earth Day? And then I want you to connect the dots for our listeners with regards to Earth Day and our health and restoring our Earth and our health. Yeah, just quickly, I'll use the example of plastics, which is our theme a couple of years ago. And we were able to drive the conversation because we get so much media and attention. Everybody's looking for an Earth Day story. And we were able to connect the dots between, for example, cleanups and health, the health growing body of science around the implications of having plastics come into contact with your bodies, with your children's bodies, and its sort of prevalence in the um, atmosphere generally. And so we've, we, we were able to marry those, that kind of doing a cleanup, use it. We have an app called Earth Challenge where you can take photos of, of, uh, of plastic pollution, which will, because of an AI component, will identify the polluter, whether it's a big, uh, you know, uh, beverage company or some other company. And so we have learning experience for everybody. And then what we do is we connect them the very next day after they do a cleanup or sometimes during the cleanups to petitions and other ways you can sign on and learn more information about your trip uh, to the local riverbank or into a park. And so connecting the science, connecting the implications of coming back the next day and finding the place polluted and looking for ways to engage them with their city councils or their mayors, et cetera, to take charge and make sure that doesn't happen to them again. But most important, it's to learn the science, in this case, plastics, of what it's actually doing to us. You can do the same thing with what you eat and uh, climate change and other issues. And then giving them positive, easy, what we call sort of armchair activist opportunities to um, take an action. Once we see them complete that, then we're more likely to be able to connect them to a local group so that they can get engaged on a regular basis. So it's definitely a pathway that's charted one, two, three, four, five, that we move people along that transom in an effort to really build citizen, environmental citizenship. 
Indeed. And you all are certainly to be commended for focusing, too, on the local governments so that when people do finally get it, that then they have an easily accessible method to connect and move things forward to protect our planet. Kathleen, thank you so much for being with us. You all are doing amazing work. I know that you are extremely busy for this whole Earth Day month, and so we are just very honored that you could be with us. We are actually doing a whole month of shows on Earth Day following your theme of restoration and mitigation. We're talking about deforestation. We're talking about various elements of it as you all have described. So we're excited. And again, thank you for all the work that you do to help and inform the rest of us. Thank Thank you you so much much for having me. We'll be back on the other side of the break, and we're going to drill down a little bit locally on this whole thing. Thank you. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio today for our show on Earth Day 2021, Restoring Our Climate and Restoring Our Health. There's a term called overshoot in the environmental world. Overshoot was coined by the Global Footprint Network, which is a global research organization that helps to inform decision makers around the world. They say that overshoot occurs When humanities, that's us, when our demand on nature exceeds Earth's capacity to regenerate or exceeds Earth's capacity to replace what it is we've used up. So in 2020, COVID-19 pushed the Earth Overshoot Day back to August 22nd. It appears that the COVID-induced lockdowns that were mandated throughout the world led to a slowdown of human activity and of demand on nature in that year. As a result of that, the calculated Earth Overshoot Day that year fell on August 22nd, which was about three weeks less than it had been in 2019, and that basically reversed the long-term trend. In other words, overshoot day for 2020 came longer than it did for the previous year, a good thing. And of course, it's going to be very interesting to see when 2021 overshoot day is going to be. I think that all of this will show us that when life goes back to normal or when the globe returns to normal, Our world really cannot return to business as usual. It gives us a lot to think about, and we want to look at this more today and understand this from the standpoint of what's happening on our local level. And here to help us out with this is Michael Morris with the North Central Texas Council of Government. Michael is director of the Transportation Department of the North Central Texas Council of Governments, which is the metropolitan planning organization for the DFW area and North Texas. And Michael's been with them since 1979. The North Central Texas Council of Governments serves our region by developing transportation plans and programs that address the transportation needs of our rapidly growing metropolitan area as well the whole MPO deals with many other facets of life in North Texas. The area that they serve consists of 16 member counties and over 230 member governments, 
including some of the most rapidly growing counties in the nation, as well as over 7.5 million people. As director of the Transportation Division of the COG, Michael is also responsible for executing and coordinating plans, programs, and projects to improve mobility, to reduce vehicle emissions, and specifically, he heads the COG's transportation impact on quality of life. And that's dealing with some very important and essential quality of life issues, including air quality, bicycle and pedestrian issues, environmental coordination, environmental justice issues, sustainable development, and safety. And most importantly, and one of the ways that I personally come in contact with Michael and his staff a lot, is that they run our region's clean air programs, which is critical and essential to our quality of life here in North Texas. Michael received his master's in civil engineering from State University of New York in Buffalo, and he is a registered professional engineer in the state of Texas, and he has previously served as chairman of the Transportation Research Board, executive committee, and he's with the National Association of Academies of Science. Welcome, Michael. We are so happy that you could join us today. Bernice, it's very nice to be with you. Thank you for letting me be with you today. Michael, the Council of Governments, again, as I mentioned earlier, is basically our clean air agency for North Texas. And we are so happy that you all are looking out for us and that you're doing such an outstanding job of doing that. But as such, what does Earth Day 2021 and its theme of restoring our Earth mean to you all and the work that you do? So first of all, Earth Day to me is, uh, is uh, on an anniversary date of a big day. Probably 30 years ago, I testified in Congress in, in front of uh, Congressman Mineta. Congressman Mineta was chair of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee. Um, he asked someone to testify on the importance of Earth Day. And on that day, we connected the relationship of transportation impacts and the science of, of air quality emissions together permanently uh, forever in the United States. And, and that, that process is called air quality conformity. So those that conduct in the United States need to conform to the requirements needed uh, in air quality. You can't wake up one day and implement in the right hand a bunch of air quality plans and then on the left hand destroy the impact of those air quality plans by something you're doing in the transportation system. So that tie was made 30 years ago, 30 years ago on Earth Day. So what is Earth Day to us? Earth Day to us is not just an Earth Day and not just an Earth Month, but it is a full-time job probably 20 dedicated people here at the Council of Government that wake up in energy policy, health policy, uh, emission reduction, tying the sciences of those together. And we're blessed. Most of this action change occurs at the local level. So I am blessed to have a board of directors of local elected officials that reside on the Regional Transportation Council that wish us every day to be imaginative and make this connection of emission reduction, environmental justice in an integrated system. Indeed, Michael, and I can tell on the ground 
as a recipient of those services, that you do have the blessing of that very engaged and proactive board and membership, because we can tell that from the programs that you engage in and the amount of, of resources that are applied to that. So we are very lucky. Michael, how have you seen, though, your work change in general over the last four years, and why do you think that is? Yeah, so let's talk pre-COVID, so more than 12 months ago, back five years ago. So what you're seeing is the implementation of uh, folks, lots of technologies acting all at the same time. So what a good example would be is the re re reduced emission automobile industry over the last 10 or 15 years, especially in the last five years. But as different technologies are implemented, the best analogy I can give you, Bernie, is the pond. The pond is slowly going lower and lower and lower and then pops up a stump. That stump is a high emitting item that we then have to focus on uh, in order to put action around that particular item. So that's why we use the term programs, policies, or projects. I want to focus in now on our experience with COVID. How have you seen your work on clean air and other environmental issues change as a result of COVID and why so? It has changed radically. I think the theme of your previous presenter is a good one. My policy officials wish to is how do we make lemonade out of a horrible situation? What, what good thing can come out of this really horrible item? Two things that are clear. One is you have to, we have to see the air chemistry of what the science of how to come in compliance of these emission standards and uh, the requirements of the state implementation. Because the emission reductions we saw in the previous 12 months should have produced lower ozone readings than ever. And as a result of that, a, re a rethink of the air chemistry science has to occur. The other thing, and you'll see it publicly uh, next week, we are going to the Regional Transportation Council with a policy position to reduce 20% of the drive drive alone automobile trips during the commuting time periods in the Dallas-Fort Worth region. That would be a commitment of our board saying to the region, both public sector and private sector, uh, we're not gonna come back post COVID-19 back to the old way. Uh, we need to restore this environmental stewardship in some form. We'll see where our board of directors goes with that particular policy. Indeed, it's kind of like I said in the intro to this section, they are recognizing it can't be business as usual. And you all are so good at what you do, I'm sure you're going to come up with some really amazingly effective programs. And we want to make sure we have you back once that has been approved and we know what we're going to be doing. Because, again, I'm sure it will be exciting and effective and applaud you all for really pushing this forward to your board. Thank you so much, Michael. Again, we're going to look to have you back again, remember, after this goes into place, to tell us more about this. We have been with Michael Morris with the North Central Texas Council of Government Transportation Department. Thank you so much, Michael, for being with Thank us. Thank you really very appreciate much. It. And we'll be right back on the other side of the break uh, with our guest who's going to talk to us about the role of film in pushing forth Earth Day and its work. We'll talk with Michael Kane on the other side. Thank you. We want to give a shout out now to our sponsors. That is EarthX, 
the world's largest environmental experience, promoting environmental awareness through expo, conferences, film festival, interactive experiences, and now EarthX TV streaming service. Our other sponsor is Natural Awakenings, Dallas-Fort Worth Magazine, the Green, Healthy, and Sustainable Living Authority for the DFW Metroplex in North Texas communities. Print issues of Natural Awakenings can be found in all Whole Foods markets, natural grocers, central markets, sunflower shops, and many, many other locations, as well as available free for download online at any Dallas Com. Our other sponsor is North Haven Gardens, serving the Metroplex since 1951, the most respected horticultural establishment in North Texas, offering gardening, plant education, concierge services, DIY classes, gifts, and more. Check them out at NHG.com. And our other sponsor is Lynn Dental Care, practicing dentistry for over 38 years with a holistic approach, non-mercury, looking at the whole body. Specializing in periodontics, Dr. Lynn is board certified by the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Thank you, sponsors. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, to today's segment and show on restoring our climate, restoring our health. And we're looking at Earth Day, since we like to celebrate the whole month as Earth Day or Earth Day Month. And here in our last segment of the show, we are with Michael Kane. Michael is founder and president of EarthX Film and their streaming TV service. Michael's been involved with EarthX probably since the beginning, and I've known him since the beginning. And we are so excited to have Michael join our lineup today, along with previous guests, Kathleen Rogers with Earth Day Network and our own Michael Morris from the North Central Texas Council of Governments. These three are just the perfect people to help us really dig in and get a better understanding of what Earth Day is all about where we're going with it this year, and why we should care. So thank you so much, Michael, for being with us today, and welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. Now, Michael, EarthX Streaming TV is one of the good things, excellent things, born out of the uncertainty of the pandemic over this last year. So will you tell our listeners more about EarthX Streaming TV your goals, and how our listeners can access it. Thank you. EarthX TV, and you can access it at the moment, earthxtv.com. But by the time Earth Day rolls around, we will have launched an OTT platform, which means like Netflix or Hulu or any others, you'll be able to actually have an app, see it on your phone, see it on your TV. Um, you know, we're expanding to 24-7 programming, and you're right. When we made this pivot a year ago for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day to EarthX TV, suddenly, you know, we found ourselves in a new space. And luckily, because of the film festival and media and XR and youth film contests, we had a foothold. And with what Trammell Crow, our founder, had built, and Lynn McBee, our new chair, uh, you know, we, we had a natural space to take a lot of these conversations and put them online. And so here we are a year later, 13 million views later since the launch, September 21st. And we're in the process, like I said, 24-7. We've got five new shows that are going to be launching uh, during that week, Earth Week. 
And, and Earth Week for us is April 16th through the 25th. And everything from a 10-day film festival to conferences to youth programming. Uh, and our goal is, you know, changing hearts and minds, engaging people, creating a conversation that looks beyond the barriers that separate us. So it doesn't matter to us if you're a Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. We think everyone needs to come to the table to be a part of the solution. And hopefully we create a platform for awkward conversations and safe spaces where people can learn and then hopefully take those into their everyday life. That is exciting. So do you have a specific or certain launch date yet when I can go look at the streaming services and select EarthX TV? Yeah, and in fact, you can go to EarthXTV.com now. We're on the air right now. In fact, we've got uh, shows like EarthX CEO and Planet 911 Youth Reports, uh, Ocean Action Reports with uh, Paul Watson and Sea Shepherds. But the actual platform will launch on the 19th of April so that you'll be able to see what we call EarthX TV 2.0. And this will be the place where you open your TV and it'll be uh, an app for you. And, you know, it makes great timing. The official launch is April 22nd on Earth Day. And so we're going to be hosting a, a live event at Clyde Warren Park downtown and a premiere, a world premiere of Clark Johnson's Percy versus Goliath starring Christopher Walken and Adam Beach and Christina Ricci and Zach Braff and produced by NBA champion Dwight Howard. And we'll be showing some of the new shows and, um, you know, kicking off, I said, 10 days of conferences taking place during that time period. So it's an exciting time for us. Indeed. But on the 19th, I can go get it where I get my Netflix and Hulu and all of that. And... Exactly. Great. Michael, our previous guest, Kathleen, from Earth Day Network, a.k.a. EarthDay.org, discussed the 2021 Earth Day theme, which, of course, is restoring our Earth. And she mentioned how there was a massive input from partners and people involved from around the world in arriving at that theme. So can you talk to us a little about how EarthX and EarthX Film is honoring the, quote, birthday of Earth Day this year in terms of this theme? How are you all focusing in or honoring the theme of restoring the Earth? Yes, so much of what we're going to be doing that day and that week is really educational. Because our thought is if we can arm people with the right information, that's the best chance we've got of them taking that into their lives. Um, we're actually launching, we've got a health and nature um, event that's going to take place that day, which is part of a conference. And our hope is, you know, everything starts from there. You don't take care of your health. So we've got Harvey Locke, who's going to be talking about protecting nature, helping us avoid future pandemics. Um, incredible group of people. They've got conservation talks that are going on that day, talking about ocean conservation and conservation efforts on large ranches, the, the world's largest lion relocation, uh, the gray wolf, Colorado gray wolf introduction debate. So a lot of it's about how do we give back? How do we take what's happened and how do we fix it moving forward? And obviously agriculture, the seas, uh, deforestation, air pollution, global warming. These are all topics that we feel if we can inform people, that's our 
our head start. And then that evening, uh, Road to Glasgow is a new show that we've got launching, which walks you through all the environmental events. Uh, and we're going to be coming back weekly to lead you up to COP26, as well as El Futuro del Planeta, which is a new show we've shot in Latin America uh, and in Spanish and English, because that's the other thing. How do we engage everybody? How do we make it so that language isn't a barrier? And how do we make it so that where you're from, you don't just have to get the uh, American perspective, but how do we get a global perspective? So that, that's part of how we're addressing this. Michael, what has been, other than COVID, what have you seen to be the most pressing environmental issues from where you sit and from the work that you do at EarthX Film? And it's interesting, too, because the number one thing I would say is apathy. You know, it's this people sort of like, oh, this isn't my problem. The number two would be education because they don't understand what the problem is, nor do we present them with solutions? Do we do we give people ways to fix this? And you know, the, the America, America, the world moves slowly. So if you think about it, deforestation, uh, air pollution, global warming, water pollution, natural resource depletion—those are always going to be like the top five. It, it could break down into things like ocean acidification and CO2 emissions. Um, you know what we're doing to fish and the, the fishing industry, but those are the ones that I feel like we have to learn about and educate ourselves and be able to move forward and, and take on. Indeed. As you know, because you were here with the beginning of Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, that too is our focus, is educate and inform in a way that people realize it affects them because it's all around them. So last thing, Michael, we have about two minutes to go. How is COVID then affecting EarthX, EarthX film? And beyond the immediate impacts on your work, what perhaps are some of the most unexpected impacts that you're seeing or learning about as you do your work and as you engage on the world's environmental stage? Well, as you nailed it in the beginning, we were one of the beneficiaries to a certain degree of COVID because a lot of people were suddenly at home we were able to engage them by creating, I hope, sort of edutainment uh, experiences for people. And so what we've really learned that there is this need to gather together. There is this desire to learn and to be a part of it. And the nice thing for us, like our film festival is coming up. We're hosting 10 nights of drive-in screenings, you know, and the drive-in is back. The fact that people want to come out there and watch a movie sitting in their car, and we're going to be showing them 10 nights of it during the festival. Um, the fact that people also then will engage online, and I think that's exciting. That is very much engaging people. Two things right before we go. Is there one drive-in, or what drive-ins are we going to be able to see the film? We're building a drive-in. It's uh, right next to Four Corners Brewery in uh, South Dallas. And uh, we'll have that for six nights. We'll be in Victory Park for three nights, right outside of our new uh, virtual reality space we're building called Wild Immersion, Earth XR. And then in Clyde Warren Park, we're going to be there on the 22nd, and that's the big Earth Day celebration with the movies and music. And, you know, everyone, I hope, will come out and let's celebrate a beautiful day and a, a new future. 
Thank you so much, Michael, for making time. And I know you did have to make time to be with us today. You've given us a lot of information. I am looking forward to seeing which film this year is going to cause me to change my behavior. A couple of years ago, one of your films caused me to go plant-based. So we appreciate all that you do. Thank you so much for being with us, Michael. We appreciate it. And my thank pleasure. you for listening in today to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. The conversation starts here, but our goal is for it to continue in your home, in your social circles, your workplaces, at the water cooler, and in the grocery checkout line, so that we can all work together to realize that healthy living is simply not possible without a healthy planet. Our culture is a result of a trillion tiny acts taken by billions of people every day, like yourselves. And each of these tiny acts can seem insignificant, but all of them add up one way or the other to the change we each live through. This is your host, Bernice Butler. Thank you for listening today and join us again next week for more on our Earth Day Month. Thank you.